0: The Battle of Olympus. This is an ancient story. A time when men and gods lived together. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Joe. The Battle of Olympus. Many comparisons have been offered, even on our own Patreon feed, to Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link. Uh, I, I guess I could see it. The player is a hero, sword and a shield. It's a side scrolling adventure game, you're traveling from town to town. You have to rescue uh, a princess. I guess that's up for debate, you know, like where she stands on like Zelda's hierarchy of princesses. But nevertheless, you have to rescue her. And believe it or not, a final confrontation with a shadow, just like in Zelda 2. So uh, I guess there's a lot of similarities here in this game. Did you guys uh, pick up on that pretty quickly?
1: Yeah, I'd even say that it it goes even further. Like the actual like yes, it's a side scroller, but it also just like really feels like Zelda 2. Uh down to just like the moment to moment like oh, that jump feels like the jump from Zelda 2. That kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, it's that it's that like platformy combat <laughs> side scrolling that like that Zelda 2 sort of made popular. I guess. And you know, or Faxanadu being the other the other example that we um that we recently played.
0: Yeah, and I think with Faxanadu, the difference was the exploration uh of the map was all uh you were always on the same map and you had to kind of scroll across and stuff like that. Whereas um, you know, to a lesser extent Battle of Olympus, but definitely uh Zelda two, they have this a larger map where you travel between areas and in Zelda 2 it's an actual overworld that you walk into the towns on the overhead map in the Battle of Olympus it's more like you're uh zoomed out for a second and you get to see where you are in Greece and then you're brought back in to the same uh to the same location
2: yeah i mean it could have also totally worked without that if they had just like t- if they just told you where you were but it seems like they wanted to have that map of Greece so I feel like in that sense it is a little closer to to Fexanadu than it is to Legend of Zelda where like Legend of Zelda the overworld plays
0: such a big part. <coughs> so the Battle of Olympus poses itself as a very, you know, big adventure on the NES uh, similar to other larger RPGs that we've played uh given the greek setting and the fact that i recently read the odyssey uh I-, I feel like it's good to start there and just think of you know the one of the most epic tales uh one of the uh first stories ever told i guess in the grand scheme of literature uh is this you know meeting that grandness of greek <laughs> literature and the uh, compelling story uh Ooh. just let's just start with plot points uh, not actual gameplay grandness
1: i, I mean no but Hold on, you just recently on your own accord just, like read the entirety of the Odyssey?
0: I went to Greece, so I thought it was like appropriate <laughs> reading.
1: Oh yeah, that was like the first travel blog. For
2: <laughs> yeah, Greece. yeah, yeah. The he Odyssey
0: took tips really helped like,
2: where to go.
1: Did, did you eat any lotus? Did you take any hallucinogenics?
0: I'm I'll tell you one thing though. I wasn't uh when I went on my ferry to get from one island to another i didn't wind up hearing a siren song and being called to it for 10 years thanks to the book that's true that's probably for the best yeah Uh, i think about i could have been away from the podcast for 10 years if i didn't read the odyssey
1: so okay in terms of the plot of the battle of olympus you play orpheus uh or i guess like a child version of orpheus and you're looking for, you know, the classical mythological love interest of Orpheus, Helen. Um, which is not not really. It's 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 Eurydice, but it's Helen in this game and uh basically you I guess Aphrodite really likes that you're in love with Helen and she like recruits all of her godfriends to help you get to her and Uh, That's what you do. You sort of like knock on like you go door to door knocking on the gods temples and asking for gifts to get to Helen and you do that.
2: Do we know if like we're playing like if they just picked Orpheus because it was a name from Greek mythology? Are we playing as like the are we playing as Orpheus from Greek mythology? Because I did not um, think we were actually him, because he's a child, first of all. And yeah, it, he
1: doesn't seem to have any musical talents. I mean, so he I'm has not, a harp, not, uh,
2: eventually, and an ocarina. Yeah.
1: But he doesn't seem to, like, come from that background. He just, like, you know, he had to, like, you know, in order to impress a girl in high school, you might take a guitar and not... Uh, have that be like your defining characteristic. It, it, this seems like a half-baked version yeah. of Orpheus.
2: Or in order to summon a Pegasus to take you to a town over you take up Ocarina.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, the flute. You know, noted uh, example of never use this in a school essay. <laughs> Wikipedia says that Orpheus is the same Orpheus uh, from Greek uh, mythology. So do uh, do with that information what you will.
1: Yeah, it's just wrong. It's just
0: wrong. <laughs> right. It's also like, you know, it's not even nothing in the game implies that other than uh the harp, I suppose, but uh, what I mean is is like they just attached the the reference to the other article on Orpheus inside the plot description of the Battle of Olympus. I don't think there's any like definitive evidence that links the two together. Well,
1: I mean everything else does. Why why else? I, I'm I'm saying that the the developer of the game wanted it to be Orpheus, but it does not matter because you get to name yourself and your girlfriend so uh you could you know you can name you can name him link Sean that's a great point. This
0: is one of the first games where you can name your girlfriend <laughs>
1: yeah, that's yeah. true. usually <laughs> you only ever
0: get to name like the hero character
1: <laughs> but this yeah, you get to name your girlfriend i mean I don't even know the first time you because i. I couldn't get that far in this game, so I never saw my girlfriend's name written out on the screen. But uh, it's, it's funny that they let you do it with how infrequent you'll see it. But you know what you can't name your character?
0: Orpheus. It doesn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I always named my character my name because I'm boring. But yeah. are, is that, does that mean that like if you just don't fill it out, then it defaults to Orpheus? You know, I didn't try. Right. How do we ever find out that this, other than the manual at the back of the box, like, how do we ever find out?
2: It couldn't be spelled, if it does do it that way, it couldn't be spelled the way it's spelled in the manual, because there's not enough character space.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you, you're, like, X or, like, RFx. That doesn't work.
0: So, Sean, you're, you're beating up the plot a little bit, but now if we could introduce some of the gameplay, and let's just talk about... Exploration here being able to travel um between multiple you know real Greek locations and y- yes uh it's just a brief look at the overworld map before you're then brought back into the side schooling portion being able to travel between um you know Athens and all the way down to crete uh that's pretty cool, yeah, like that adds to the scale of like you know modern Greek mythology of how it seemed like even Even all that time ago, those guys just got around. You know, transportation was not an issue for these guys.
1: No, I mean, it seems like you could just go on, like, uh, a midday stroll and accidentally end up in
2: Peloponnesus. It's strange. Well, you just walk into the wrong door, and then you walk out the (laughs) other door, and (laughs) now you're in another city.
0: Yeah, it's almost like in Pokemon, where you go through those caves that suddenly just happen to connect you between um, Pewter City and... um, uh what's the one with the electric uh, with lieutenant serge oh oh, uh, oh um, ro- i don't know nah, the no the golden rods are in gold and silver
2: yeah whatever vermilion city
0: vermilion city yeah, yeah and it's just like those two i mean like i'm sure on a map it works out somehow but like realistically it's like how long was that underground tunnel yeah. that is what it feels like when you're going between these doors it's like how how long was the segue between these areas that i've i've jumped over yeah. to entirely different cities
2: well, what I took it as maybe I'm maybe I'm just giving them like throwing them a bone here is like uh, that what the gameplay is like the stuff where the action is happening and then when you get to the map it's like okay and then you travel the rest of the way but nothing happens yeah I guess it's like you the can boring use that, part of the
1: world that sort of D and D ask like and then you went the rest of the way yeah
0: I I'll buy that but is it exciting to progress because you know it's one thing to say like oh, you get to go uh, you know fight a lot of different enemies and you get to see a lot of different things, but is the, uh, is the adventure scaling proportionally or are you just kind of doing the same thing in new regions?
2: I think what makes it feel like it is more than just doing the same thing in new regions is that there's a good amount of, of items and elements that you run into that kind of lean that kind of guide you towards growth. So, like, you'll get better weapons. You get a weapon with a projectile. You get, uh... What is it? You get Hermes' sandals, which sounds lame, but it lets you, like, walk on treetops and jump higher, which lets you get to do... I mean, you know, that's just classic, like, Metroidvania stuff. But even, like, the little power-ups and stuff uh, are sort of something that's, like, driving you throughout, at least I felt. And then... You know, we touched on like the story is not yeah, it's no odyssey in any way, but like I don't know how this translated to kids in 1989, but if you're interested in Greek mythology, it's kinda cool to be like, oh, next I'm going to go to, you know, to find Athena, and then oh what what's Ares gonna have for me? It's like you know, like you know that they'll have something that might fit what you know about those about those gods. So like that's another thing that sort of like makes that propels me forward a little bit. It's like, what's going to be next in this Greek mythology that I'm already aware of.
1: Yeah. There's enough, uh, like there's enough actual mythology or at least like the background of a mythology, like that, like if this was your first exposure to it and then you started learning it in social studies or whatever the fuck you might learn about mythology in, um, You'd be like, oh yeah, I remember like uh Prometheus gave me my my fire wand or made my wand go fire, so that makes sense. So uh that's pretty cool. Uh in terms of the scale though, uh in meeting all these guys, and um I, I do I do think that th- this game feels big for how um however it's actually set up, which is more so like a big like interconnected maze.
0: Yeah, and I would just say too, they've included some nice touches of gameplay and story like mixing together things that don't necessarily matter but are elements of just cool style in terms of storytelling. I think about every time you want to speak to the gods, in normal characters, you just walk up to the characters and you press the B button, which is usually your attack button and can make some awkward looking screens where it looks like you're uh, obviously you could never stab the NPCs, but it looks like you're stabbing them and that's not nice. So I don't know why they would map the talk button to the stab button, but uh, that can't happen with the gods. They're actually on the altar and you can't like jump up over to them. So you try just pressing the, the talk button and that doesn't work either. You figure out that you have to actually kneel before them to engage them in conversation. And I feel like that is a, a fun mix of, you know, gameplay and storytelling coming together uh that we don't usually see.
1: No, that was funny. Yeah, it's immersion. <laughs> it was it was also pretty funny when I thought I got to Zeus or some, you know, it, it kinda looks like Jesus, but I thought I got to juice Zeus and it immediately is just saying like, Who are you? Get out of here, what are you doing here? And <laughs> then I didn't know what to do, and I realized that I would like, you know, I I didn't go to the first place somehow. Uh, But that that was a cool little bit of like <laughs> environmental storytelling where you you just didn't talk to the right guy first, and now no one likes you.
2: <laughs> yeah, because it's I, I did the same thing. Because what it is is you're supposed to your first like task is to go talk to Zeus, which they do. It, someone does tell you, so like I give them a pass for that. It it is like a little bit of um a missable thing where you're like, what am I supposed to do first? Yeah, but but they, they, they you don't you know if can... that's Zeus or not Zeus. It looks like well, Zeus. <laughs> that's true. There's a, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about that too. There's a lot of hints or advice that's given to you that you don't really know how to interpret it because you don't know what, you don't know like the rest of the information you need. Yeah. It'll say like, yeah, go do this. But you're like, well, what's that? Where is that? <laughs> <laughs> one guy says, one guy says, uh, I know the, whatever McGuffin thing he's talking about is that way. He doesn't point or anything. He just says it's that way. Like it's in that direction. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what you're talking about. But, but I, you know, the, I did the same thing where um, I talked, I didn't talk to Zeus first. I went to the town and it's, and nobody lo- was going to help me because you're supposed to go and kind of like get the task from the gods. And then once you go back, it's like, I mean, the, I guess the idea is like, oh my God, like Zeus sent you? Like, yeah, whatever you need, <laughs> you know? It's like, that's cool. But, it's also a little missable.
0: Yeah, I think that that stuff works nicely into uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is uh, that there is an element of nonlinear gameplay here, even in the sense of, you know, we were saying Metroidvania, but a lot of times that kind of thing is like, oh, you get a new item that allows you to explore a previously explored area, but with a, in a new way that you'll unlock new things. I don't think this game quite has that, but instead what it has going for it is it'll tell you like, hey, you're probably not, like, strong enough for this area, I'd advise you to stay out. But it doesn't stop you from entering. There's a few items that are, like, gatekeeping you from, like, hidden cave entrances and stuff like that. But for the most part, like, say you don't go talk to Zeus right away, I think you can even get all the way down to, like, Athens without ever, like, speaking to any NPC. And the game doesn't say, like... You know, you're going like really far away from where you need to be right now. You know, it doesn't yeah, hold your it, hand in that kind of way. I mean,
1: but that, that's not really that far. It, it's, it's, but it's like not much progress. It's, it's far like as the crow flies, but just going to Athens doesn't mean you've made progress in the actual game.
0: Yeah, but theoretically, you could already do like some side quests and pick up like that, um, The staff, right? Is that what you get? The staff of fennel, yeah. uh, From that woman, yeah. Like you can get some of that stuff. Soft
1: locked behind the 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 shield because of the enemy guarding. The yes, and
0: that's why I said theoretically. uh, Theoretically, you know, but I'm saying like the game doesn't like uh, lock this content behind particular items being unlocked, or or you know, they're they're just triggered by you going to those areas and those areas aren't gate kept by items so i feel like i don't know i thought that was a nice touch that you can you can you can explore and do wrong in this game yeah it's not confusing though i guess you know i it's not for me i never felt like i don't know where the hell i am or what i'm supposed to do i don't agree with that but we'll i'm sure we'll get there and i guess i'm not being entirely like truthful there too because with a game of this scale i played with a guide so um okay you that's know I, why. Could, I could understand <laughs> yeah i could understand that if you're yeah if you're not paying if if you're not playing with a guide or at least with some kind of map it, it is a little tricky to figure out especially given that entrances to new areas are also the same as entrances to like people's houses and such uh, it's not it's not really well communicated when you're moving on because sometimes when you move on you're just progressing to the next section of the same area in another screen by just going to the right, and then you kind of hit these dead ends. Dead ends don't necessarily lead to doors that will take you to the next area. You might have missed that door uh, a while back and just not known about it.
1: Yeah, the the navigation in this game is also one of the reasons why I wouldn't call it a Metroidvania. Uh, not so much even like the gatekeeping item portion of it. It's because... The way that a Metroidvania sets up its stuff, it it's a lot easier to get a lay of the land, and and you'll because it's all in the same plane. Like it, it's all over two D space, but you don't ever go into a door that puts you on another layer of the game that is gonna like wormhole back into the primary layer in some other weird portal. It's it's just all there. And one of my main problems with playing this game was just I I did not have a sense of direction. And, yeah, I know I could have used a uh, a walkthrough just to have, like, oh, walk through the second weird door to your right. And then it, it just more so, like, following instructions than actually, like, knowing where you are. And I, I just couldn't get beyond that in some senses.
2: Yeah, I was, like, torn because at at first, when I first played it, or when I first started it, I was like, wow, compared to, you know, compared to Zelda 2 and Faxanadu, the, the, like, information you get from NPCs is even better, is, like, has really, like, makes me feel like, oh, maybe I don't need a guide for this game because they are really telling me a lot of things. Like, they're telling me a lot of information that, like, you know, maybe this really does, like, kind of feel more like a, like an RPG that I'm more used to of a more modern type of game where it's like, Oh, I can do this without a guide because it's all there in the game. Um, but like I said, a lot of that information is not like complete or like, doesn't actually guide you to what to do next. It says like, this is what you need to get next. And I'm like, okay, well, I have no idea where that is. Like, and yes, you can just explore until you find it, but that's that feels like it does sometimes miss the purpose of having those NPCs telling you what to do next because if you tell me this is what I need next, that's the same as me not knowing what I need next <laughs> if I don't know where like have a hint as to where I need to go. Like if you just say you need this thing and it's like just explore until you find it, if you didn't tell me that, I would have just explored until I found the next thing. So like that that element of it like kind of made me like of two minds. Like at first I was like they did a lot well about making this feel like you're not like aimless but then there are like i also used a guide and there were like a lot of parts in the guide where it was like okay go through the first door after this and then go through the third door after that and then two doors to the right of that one and then one door to the right of this and i'm like maybe there was some way i could have solved that with the information in the game that wasn't just guess and check but like so like if i if i play this game a lot more and i find out like oh wait i was just missing things then i'll take this back But I don't think that is the case. I think that that it's just another one of those games that you really need a guide. Which hasn't been necessarily the kiss of death for other games that I've needed a guide that I still really loved. But it was not a point in its favor.
0: Joe, you're talking about the NPC dialogue on a lot of of like... You know, they tell you to go to this thing, right? Um, Usually... With NPCs in these kinds of games, both in Simon's Quest and in, in Zelda 2 in some regards, we've been upset with the localization and just the, the truth of what they're saying and and uh, the validity of the statements <laughs> they're making. Uh, you know, this isn't... this. That's what we usually complain about. That's not necessarily the case here, but I think that... Uh, you know, this is a very boring example of like what could happen if if it was all correct anyway, because it winds up being something where even if you could understand, you know, with with hindsight, it would like just having be maybe vague. right, it would just be vague. It's just go uh, go or do X and you will get Y. And uh, you know, seeing it now with uh, with a game that actually got it all right, um, it seems like wow, it actually isn't a very interesting mechanic. And obviously, modern. NPCs have figured this out a lot better, but for a game that's setting itself up to be this grand story, uh, I feel like they could have added more color to these NPCs than just flat out saying, go to X and get Y.
1: Yeah, like one uh, example of, it was still very simple dialogue, but it at least felt like you were having an impact on this world and it wasn't just a bunch of trivia knowledge keepers that were in all of these uh towns was when you know you you you're actually kind of just it's not really a side quest because you, you you do need the staff but when you go uh through the town that's next to Athens that I don't remember the name of, um you're talking to this woman that's like, oh my my child has been kidnapped by a witch or a harpy or whatever she is. And then the father is like, hey, my daughter lost her kid. Can you go find it? Um, then you go and you fight this like mini boss. And then you go into the cave and you find the kid. And then you bring word back that you found the kid. It might still be playing in the uh, in the cave for some reason. It, you don't see him leave. <laughs> but um, then you talk to the, the the mother and she's like, oh, thank you. Here's the thing. My my dad knows more about the thing. You should talk to him, and then you go and talk to him. And he's like, oh, Prometheus, he's got the, you know, he knows how to use this thing. I I liked that. It, it felt like, you know, conversations more so than, uh, you know, this guy Hephaestus makes really great swords. Just wanted to let you know that. Uh, yeah, it felt like you exist in this world. Yeah.
0: Right, the follow-up is good on those things, too. The fact that uh, the NPC first leads you to a uh, a boss fight, if you will, uh, and then you complete the boss fight, and then that same NPC then leads you to the next thing. Like That feels a lot better than when you first... Uh, I, what town are you in when you first start the game? Arcadia? Um. Yes. Okay, yeah. When you're in Arcadia, there's a bunch of NPCs that you could talk to, but unless you're like have a notepad out and are writing these things down you're gonna have to go like check back in with them at some point uh for for what they what kind of clues they gave you because it's not stuff that's immediately happening and there is no oh go follow back up with my brother in arcadia uh he lives in the first house to the left like that would be stupid but like (laughs) you know how else would they tell you i guess um you know there's not a lot of that in this game
1: yeah it was just a very memorable example of The few times it does that.
0: Many locations uh, in this game, but I feel like it suffers a little from that Simon's Quest problem where you have to walk between every location. So if you ever, you know, in in a game that tells you, like, first you go here and then you go there and then you go back there, uh, there is a lot of backtracking in this game, a little more than even Fazanadu had. But this game is large, so if you want to, for whatever reason, go all the way back to Arcadia at some point, a lot of backtracking and walking through and dealing with, you know, enemies are always kind of just a nuisance at any level. Uh, You know, the nicer your sword is, does it mean that the kind of bats that fly around or um, even those blue slimes that you start off with in the game, like, those things are still going to be something that you're gonna have to either dodge to make sure that you don't die from. My point just being that Zelda 2's world map uh, solved all of this by just making, like, the overworld something that's very quick to move between town to town and then like the dungeons and towns are really big once you get inside of them it feels weird in in um in Battle of Olympus where if you're three towns away from where you need to be it's like guess I just gotta go all the way back the way I already came uh even though I don't think I'm gonna discover anything new and that could have been solved with some metrovania like elements but as Sean's already discussed that doesn't Quite happen in this game.
2: Yeah, on paper, I I think that I like I agree with that. Like that that when you say it, (laughs) I'm like, yeah, that that's poorly designed. But something about these games, I mean, because Fexanadu did sort of a similar thing, like you said. And I feel like sometimes the right amount of backtracking, if it's not if it's not too much, like doesn't hurt with like the immersiveness and like I guess the fact that this game doesn't feel quite so like it feels big because there's all these different locations and stuff. But really when you think about it, it's not each location is not that big and it never felt to me like a slog to have to go through it. It felt like I was getting familiar with the world and I, it it kind of felt cool to me after a little while when it's like, when I was like, Oh, I got to, you know, go back to Attica. Like I know how to get there from here. I remember this. Here's our little journey. You know, it's kind of, maybe made the uh like farming that i needed to do later for money a little more tolerable because i was already doing it while i'm like traveling and then also the fact that uh i'd say less than halfway through the game i'm guessing i, I can't remember but like you get this fast travel option which is not a perfect fast travel option as far as player convenience but it it makes it um it it usually seems to be designed in a way where like it'll take you to where you probably want to go next.
1: Wait, can you describe this? Because I don't think I got there.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so what it is is you get uh, the harp, and if you go to... I'm trying to remember what they are. There's like these statues that are in each area. If you go to it and play the harp, a pegasus will come down and take you to another town. But you don't choose the town. Each one has like a fixed place you go to from that town. Okay. So it's like kind of weird, but like if you're in what like what is it Peloponnesus? Is that what it's called? Yep. Uh, you you know I think it takes you back to Arcadia.
1: So each town ha- like wherever the Pegasus is like it it will only bring you to one other town. It's not like a it, random yeah town.
2: like from there it'll only ever take you to Arcadia. But then like from Arcadia I you know I actually didn't test if it just will take you back to Peloponnesus. I think it probably takes you somewhere else. But I think it's designed where. It's probably where you want to go next. Okay. Because <laughs> so, cause I never had a problem with like, oh shit, how do I get there? It was always like, oh, perfect. It's exactly where I want to go. <laughs> but it feels like also if you really wanted to get, I mean, maybe it's just a, a little bit of a tedious prototype for a fast travel system, but it feels like if I really wanted to get to one, I could just fly to one. This isn't where I wanted to go. Fly again. This isn't where I want to go. Fly again. Oh, okay. Here I am. <laughs> so like kind of uncool, but, but. But it still feels like a reward because it takes, a, it takes away the, like, weight of having to long travel everywhere. It feels like progress.
0: Yeah, maybe a little clumsy in execution, but definitely better than, uh, I don't think Simon's Quest ever offered anything in the idea of fast travel. So, uh, I, you know, could be better, but we'll take it. And you're right, actually. The Harp of Apollo, I wouldn't even say, like, mid-game. I, I, think, you, I think you get that um, fairly early, fairly early on, not, like, right away. Well, I didn't get it. <laughs> I'd say a third of the game. Third there you go. Game. Third of the game in. Uh, everybody knows where the third of the game mark is. It says it on the screen, right? It says you've right. now made it one third of the way through. Once you collect the harp, exactly. actually. So, like yeah. after the,
1: like just after the Hydra Boy? I mean, I got, I got through the Hydra yeah,
0: it's Boy. A, yeah, the Hydra Boy, yeah. Okay. It's, it's I think it is thing.
2: actually the next thing after the Hydra Boy. Oh, right. wow. Whoops. <laughs> it could be or somewhere <laughs> close to there.
0: Let's talk about the items in the game, and not just uh, the harp and the ocarina and stuff like that, but also your weaponry, because uh, that upgrades. It's, you know, it's not just you got uh, from club to sword, and and your strength went up like plus one. There, there are like some cool uh, items that you can either you know miss or collect, or um, or you know they they give you like a, a new ability. I, I think in terms of. You know, comparing it to Zelda again, I feel like there was some exciting items in this game uh that kept me on my toes in terms of like what I was about to receive.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are the ones that we talked about that are like sort of just making it so you've unlocked things, like there's the the one that's like the 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 eye that lets you see hidden doors. Like that one is just like okay, this is just for here for progress. But a bunch of them are like yeah, they feel like tools that can be used in different ways. Even, like you said, the weapons. You get the club and you get the sword. Like, yeah, that that's just a strength boost. But then there's, like, the staff that does the same thing as the sword. But then you also have a projectile you can shoot out of it. Like, it's not just... Like, they, they made... There's some intention to each, like, upgrade to your items yeah. as well.
1: And th- This is what I've been asking for for like since we started this podcast was like a uh like when your upgrades aren't just a uh, like a a step up in terms of damage scale or uh just another way to make something a key like it's actually you can use this in different ways like apollo you know you can jump higher and that I, I got it. I thought that's all it did. But then you can stand on the ceiling. And I was just like, oh, that's cool. I didn't think that would have, like, a secondary effect. And it's the same with the staffs. like, okay, yeah, it has a little bit more damage at first. And then you finally talk to Prometheus, and it gives you the projectile. So I really like the way they did the upgrades in this game.
0: Yeah, and again, that's another great story element, too, of, like, you don't just get the staff and it shoots fire. You have to speak to Prometheus in order to uh, theoretically have been trained to learn how to do that thing. Some people might say that's tedious. I don't know. I think in this kind of game where they're trying to talk about, like, uh, you know, a hero on his journey learning how to take down Hades, like, that's pretty cool that they uh, took that extra step there. Because you're right, like, the staff by itself is more powerful than the club, so it's already got, like, some kind of boost to it. Interestingly enough, they also... Put some trade-offs, uh, at least in the staff, where, the you know, those salamanders are fire-resistant, so when you're down in the salamander cave, you can't just shoot flames at them. To deal with them, you have to hit them. Uh, still with the staff is fine, but you have to hit them. You can't just uh, spam fire at them and collect olives nonstop from them.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: But to that point, you don't feel like, okay, I've got the next step up in weapons, so I'll never go back to the other weapon. There are reasons to switch. Uh, I think that the sword actually has better... I could be wrong, it has better attack power than the staff if you're just hitting things. That is true. So like that so that would make it like beneficial, like okay, I'm gonna fight a bunch of salamanders, I'm gonna s- switch to the sword. And then eventually you get that the whatever the super powerful sword is after the staff. The master sword. And the divine sword. Yeah, the master sword. And no, you get the divine sword, and that has that's more powerful than the staff and has a projectile, but the projectile um drains like one half point of your health every time you use it. So it's like, it's better, but like you might want to switch. Like I found myself switching back to the staff sometimes too. Like it it was never like, okay, well that's worthless now because I got the next thing. It was always, there was always decisions to be made as to like, except for the club. You never go back to the club.
0: <laughs> well, that feels like a good segue into the battle system, which is a whole other part of this game. So far we have been focusing just on the exploration and uh, story elements of this game, but it now feels like a good time to talk about the battle system since we've talked about some of the items you'll unlock. Uh, You know, I think we we talked about, like, in Zelda 2, it's really cool how fight scenes are brought down, like, duels uh, on the overworld. Like you just uh you run into an enemy and then it just brings you into a screen and it, it's almost like a a sword fighting matchup a one v one where you're trying to take control of the screen. This is more like Fazanadu in that regard, where enemies are always just on um, the side scrolling part of it and you only ever fight them that way. I- I'll just start with the very beginning of the game to see why I-, I don't really like this kind of combat. It's not my preferred way. It's not like it's not the worst thing in the world, but those blue slimes that you can only attack when they jump, but they fall from the ceiling and, you know, that's just be mindful or whatever. But then they continue to move towards you constantly at this like sluggish sluggish pace and you can try to crouch, but you still can't hit them. And keep in mind, this is the very first enemy in the game. So you have to be properly positioned for when they jump since you need to be standing in the correct spot at the same time i suppose you could just keep your distance and try to lunge forward at them with a sword jump to time uh when th- when they jump in the air and yeah these guys don't do a ton of damage and it's not the end of the world or anything but for this to be the first experience with the battle system it showed me the limitations of you know like of this kind of fighting that like th- that it does take some precision striking, and that uh the enemies are more powerful and uh, uh, in some regards um less vulnerable than the player
1: yeah i the the anything that's too short is incredibly frustrating um and you don't have to be standing in in a specific spot to to hit those little slimes, like if you just crouch and just spam the sword while it approaches you it will eventually jump into your sword but r- regardless the the kind of philosophy that seems to have gone into enemy placement in this game is sort of all over the place like in some places the enemies seem to be very specifically placed that you like have to like bait them out and like jump over on the or bait them out and fight them normally or like it, it it's it's intentional. And then there's times where it just feels like, let's just cram them as much stuff as we can on the screen. And well, they'll, they'll get hit like three times in a row and eventually fall down a hole. And that's sort of how it felt. Like there wasn't any... Uh, it, it didn't feel across the board like they were trying to do the same thing.
2: I had sort of like an interesting relationship with the battle system here. Because to start, I really liked it. Um yes, the, the slime thing kind of kind of weird that you <laughs> that the first enemy is too low to the ground for you to hit. Um th- I think there is only one other enemy that does that though towards the end is the Caterpillar, as far as I can remember. So like that's definitely weird, like especially that that's the first enemy. I never felt like they were like cramming too much on the screen ever. Like I I always felt like it was it always felt pretty intentional yeah there were some that would like respawn when you kill them like we've seen in some other games but it was never to that like really annoying like karate kid level (laughs) where it really bothered me that much but the thing is is when i I first started i really liked it and there was something about it that i was like this feels better than i was used to from what i remember it's been a while but from zelda 2 or Faxanadu. And I couldn't put my finger on what it was about it. I was like, oh, like this combat feels really good. And it feels really like responsive and, and whatnot. As the game went on, I could not put my finger on it. Like I was just getting really bored of the combat. Like it was, it was hard at sometimes and, and whatnot. But like by the end, I was like something about it was just like not holding my attention. And I think what I realized was that what I had mistaken for like really good one-to-one input recognition really also kind of amounted to like, just there's no cooldown to your attack. So like Sean, like you said, if you just, you, you rapid fire that button above the slime and it'll jump into your sword as long as you're hitting it quickly enough. There are some enemies where like, it would jump at me, like those monkeys played around that are really annoying. It would jump at me and it would feel like I could hit him a bunch of time and that kind of freezes them for a second, but then it would it would break out of that and still hit me. But then I realized, oh, if I hit faster, if I really go rapid fire, I can hit it an extra time and kill it. Which makes it eventually feel like, yeah, the the fact that like Zelda 2 has that cooldown, which makes it a little more challenging and just makes it a little more like, I have to think a little more, even if it's like a fraction, like my brain is working a little more to make it like a challenge rather than just, hey, just spam A as fast as I can. I'm making it sound really negative, but it was, like, that was what made me realize, like, why I got, like, a little more tired of this combat more quickly than I did for Zelda or Zelda 2 or Faxanadu.
0: And you you kind of have to spam sometimes, given uh, where you are in, in the caves or uh, p- specific locations in the overworld, because enemies do just continue to spawn and, you know, approach you pretty quickly, so you kind of have to take a backseat to progress and either... You know, try to jump around them and just forget them altogether, or stand there, stab, 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 move a little bit. Another enemy spawns in a scorpion or something, and then get rid of them, keep moving just a little bit, like inching your way. It's almost like a game of football where you're just kind of, you know, nothing's really like intimidating you that much, but you're just inching closer to the end zone across plays. Uh, that's that's kind of how I had the experience with these normal enemies in the game, just the ones that you'll see over and over and over again the the boss fights which we'll get into in a minute much more creative but these enemies just back to my point that i guess i was trying to make with the the first enemies too is just that they feel like they're coming at you a lot quicker in a a larger number and also with uh, you know a lot of different types that your hero adventure thing like the the idea of you being someone who's going to take down Hades, right? The the little guys ruin that and then the bosses make you feel like big and cool again.
1: Yeah, I mean I, again it's it it's also I think a part of the like the patterns that these enemies with enough of them on the screen do. Like it, they're, they're either just jumping maniacally around or they're uh they're they're just moving towards you at at a constant rate and it, it, at maybe like moving at random too it, it it's really hard to anticipate like there's no tells it, it it doesn't feel like you're very skilled when you take them down and yeah it just again the the density of it it's it's hard to it's hard to make it feel like a uh a hand pli- a hand picked thing um, when all this stuff is
0: going on, the boss fights, by comparison, have this thing where, yeah, sometimes it's just hit them with uh, a specific weapon or hit them only in this body part. Uh, y- you see that a lot, but I feel like that reward of, um, you know, the Cyclops, right? You know, figure out that you have to not only hit him in the eye, but hit him with the sword specifically to do any damage. You know, the Cyclops is not an impossible enemy. It's more about figuring out what you have to do to take them down. That feels more rewarding as a, as a combat encounter than um, these Castlevania-like moments uh, on the screen, which, you know, this game really isn't a platformer. Uh, for the most part it, it's all uh, there's not many pitfalls other than in the caves and stuff like that i feel like the enemies aren't doing a good job but the bosses redeem it because there's even ones like uh that siren uh where you have to first play the harp to um to avoid being drawn in by her and then you can you could start attacking her uh, little things like that make the the boss fights feel plused up even if their sprites aren't particularly uh, grand or uh their battles you know Queue in, like, anything extra.
1: Yeah, like, it, it's just a more focused experience when you're fighting these instead of the, again, randomly placed
2: enemies. It definitely felt like the boss fights were designed in a way where they were not, like, super hard technically. Like, they all only took a few hits to kill. But, but to like you're saying, the the fact that there's, like, this other element that, like, is immersive in the world that you have to figure out and, like, it's it's some technical gameplay thing you have to do makes like that feel like the interesting diff, like challenge of the boss fight rather than like
0: can I hit it this many times before it hits me that many times. And there's a good variety uh, of these boss fights too. It's not uh, I guess like it depends on what you call a boss fight, but like even that bull that guards uh, the temple of Zeus, <laughs> not a challenging thing at all, right? Like it it's just a unique sprite that happens to uh rev up first telling you that it's going to start charging at you then it charges at you and if you time your hit right he just gets like a little knockback and then charges you again like he's a stubborn (laughs) bull you know he's not supposed to be something you know an unprepared player could die from him right but for the most part it's just supposed to be uh, a teachable moment there's a lot of those kinds of enemies uh in this game that are just one-off fights (laughs) yeah and that that Adds to the world building, too, and I
2: think actually, most of those enemies I found easier than regular enemies, but it was cool because it was like, Oh, this is the spot where the bull guards
0: right, right. I think that's what I'm trying to get at too, is that this game is at its best when it's uh when it's doing that job of telling the story through gameplay it it never I think other than like when you run into um the whatever you name the princess, when you run into her, that's when it like finally skips to cutscene. Other than that, all the game uh, story is told in gameplay, and so I feel like it's at its best when it continues to do that, not when it relies on the NPCs to tell you, go get this, and things will (laughs) change. Joe, did you beat the game?
2: I didn't beat the game. I think I got to uh, maybe like the second to last thing. I got, I think... I was not in Tartarus or Hades, which I assume is where you end. Um, but what was it, like the Thea or whatever? Maybe that was the last one or, or the one across the road. But yeah, I was in like the second to last dungeon where there's like, I assume it's the second to last where there's like layers of the dungeon. You can go like through these different doors, um, like back into the background or come out into the foreground. Right, right.
0: Maybe that was Tartarus. Uh, I can't remember. It might have been. It might yeah. have been, yeah. Uh, I only ask because I didn't get to the end either. But uh, uh, my understanding is is that the the shadow fight in this game is significantly easier than the Zelda 2 shadow fight, which uh, some consider to be you know one of the hardest boss fights in a NES game that is otherwise beatable. You know, uh, we we have NES hard games, but then there's games that like you know Nintendo makes like that just throw you a bone every now and again. And and uh, this game, I feel like. Yeah, it's it's a, it's on the longer side, and it does require a guide, uh, in my opinion. Sean, I, I applaud you for trying it without it, but I think with a guide and with some time, uh, this is a beatable game, and and that also like deserves some acknowledgement too, because some of these NES games just reach a point where they, uh, you know, they get too hard or they. Um, they throw so many enemies at you that you're not supposed to, like, you know, maybe, like, through luck you'll get through eventually. This game never really relies on on any sense of luck or bad RNG. Uh, this is a game that's mostly about the adventure.
1: Yeah, and even, like, uh, obviously, I wasn't, I didn't beat this game either, but even looking at the the boss fight, it, like, it's more so just a... Uh, a little gimmick where you have to look at the upside down version of your fight instead of where you're actually standing. But it's still like, that would be a memorable moment for me if I, if I played this when it came out, like, wow, that was so cool. I had to like learn that I was playing, uh, that I had to look at the water. Like, isn't that fun?
2: Yeah. It's like, you see, I'm just watching it now too for the first time, but you see, your character and then his shadow is below you and then there's like shadow and a shadow enemy that's also below you so like yeah it's like a mirror mirror image of the fight
1: yeah, i'm not sure why it just kind of looks like a, a a ninja like is is hades a ninja but <laughs> maybe in this version of greek mythology
2: right where you're orpheus that can't fit on
0: in your name <laughs> you have to spell it differently in order to fit it And if you look at like a walkthrough for the Battle of Olympus, uh, one on Mike's RPG Center, I am not related to this, Mike, Ah. Uh, on the walkthrough, they just do it in bullet points, and they make the game seem so basic and simple the way that they describe it, because this isn't like a game FAQ thing where it's all like nicely formatted and everything. This is just bullet points with text. But just to read off like the very, the first four bullet points from Arcadia, Make your way across Arcadia until you reach the white building and enter. On the other side of the passage, you'll have to fight the bull, hit it four times on the head when it charges at you to kill it. Continue on and enter Zeus's palace. Kneel before him and speak to him. Now the other gods will help you in your quest. Speak to him or any of the other gods at any time to receive your password. Return to the main area of Arcadia and enter the lower door in the building to the west to reach Attica. It's like, that that makes it seem like pretty dry. Uh, you know, but that that's the difference between the actual gameplay experience of playing Battle of Olympus and like talking about it now, right? Like talking about the plot points here, it's not the same. You know, it's the same thing with like how the story didn't quite add up to what the uh, to what the gameplay was giving us. I think I think they created a larger game than they uh than they could describe.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I also think that the way that that is written, like because. Like, this game is big enough that you can get lost. There is a need for a, like, sort of step-by-step process like that. But in games that are just as... uh, in, in games that engage you just as much, like, Doom would just be like, get to end, kill everything. And then the next level would be, get to end, kill everything, flip switch, kill the rest. Like... It doesn't need to be uh, a full paragraph. I think a lot of game FAQs uh, walkthroughs go into a little bit too much detail, so I kind of like this laconic version.
2: I do too, but the the issue that I not the issue, but like the the thing about using the guide for me with this game was I mean I used a guide for Zelda Two and for Faxanadu. and I and I had a great time with it that way. But those games, I felt so much more like I could. Look at the guide and say, "What do I do next?" And it's like, "Okay, next, I have to get this thing." Put the guide down and then spend twenty minutes doing that thing. Where it's like, even if it, I don't read exactly what to do beat for beat, um, I can I can stick with the, you know, I, I know I know my goal, and I can the game can help me figure that out. With this, I didn't feel like I had that option as much. Like I felt like I really needed to know beat for beat what to do next. So, like, it did sort of devolve at some points into, like, just for my experience, because I was using a guide, into, like, a very, like, surgical experience where I'm like, okay, go through this door. Okay, wait, before I do anything else, because I'll get lost. Look back at the guide. Okay, next. What do I do? like I felt
1: that specifically in the, yeah, in in the forest, which was, like, what convinced me that I just don't like this form of navigation. But I, I, I know what you're feeling.
2: Yeah, yeah, because just I mean, obviously, I'm like comparing it now to these other games that were similar, and I didn't have that experience so much with those games. So like it, it felt a little disappointing uh, on that side for me.
0: And the story does miss every now and again too. It's not, um, you know, they're trying to tell it all through gameplay, but it's not necessarily always successful. I didn't find out until uh, looking at one of the guides that before you approach the final boss with Hades. There's a room, just uh, one door leading to another, and there's like a statue in the middle of the room, and you're just supposed to know that that's your uh that that's your like princess that you're trying to rescue, but she's been turned to stone by Hades. It's like it's not it's never pointed out. It's not like I don't know. It's it's not like the most uh, elegant way to describe that kind of situation. Like it would have been cool if we would have seen. Hades like other form and him casting that spell on her like first we thought we rescued her successfully got to the end and then it's like oh nope here's this gotcha but instead you just walk into the room she's already a statue there's no interaction there's no pause also (laughs) isn't
1: that supposed to be a thing like I don't I don't quite remember who is it Orpheus? no 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 like the the dude goes into Hades er, goes into Tartarus and talks to Hades and is like yeah you can take her but you can't this is Persephone, I think. I don't know. But you can't look back behind you to see if she's still following you. And then he's like, he does, and then she turns to stone. Or something like that. Maybe I'm mixing up my mythology. But it just felt wrongly applied.
0: <laughs> I was trying to find out the answer for you, but Instead, I got a much more interesting question on Google. Can Medusa turn Hades to stone? Ooh. And I, I, you know, that's like just an interesting question. The answer is apparently not, because Medusa <laughs> did not have the power to turn gods to stone.
1: Ah, uh, that wasn't um, that wasn't on the back of the box of the Medusa.
0: Right, right. <laughs> 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 on the sequels and spinoff side, uh, we have a Game Boy version of the Battle of Olympus. Released much later in 1993, and if you're starting to ask yourself, wait a minute, I had a Game Boy, I I had a lot of games on the Game Boy, why didn't I get uh, Battle of Olympus on Game Boy? It's because it was actually only released in Europe. So this is a very, uh, you know, series of strange events, but it must have been that a European developer specifically ported the game over to Game Boy, and then Nintendo or whoever was just like, cool, release it, uh, but don't bother translating it or doing whatever. I mean like surely it's in English, right? If it for the UK or something. Maybe it's just in uh, Greek. Yeah, maybe it was just for Greek audiences. <laughs> Interestingly enough though, it's pretty much the same game. It's not worth pointing out what the differences are. They pretty much ported the NES game over to you know, the Game Boy has that weird thing where uh sprites are slightly bigger, so it you know, in order to communicate detail. So there's a lot of scrolling Going on and a lot of like uh, unanticipated collisions. Yeah, uh, so you know this game, this version isn't perfect, but nevertheless, there was a way to play Battle of Olympus on the go. Well, I think we have to go.
2: <laughs> I knew that was what you were going to do. I have to go but... to the bathroom.
0: Wait, wait, wait Sean Sean oh. Before you go to the bathroom, All right. there is one other thing we have to do. Oh, and wait. that is yeah, that the Essential Games list. John, you first.
1: Yeah, I've got pretty mixed feelings about this game. I, I did enjoy playing it, uh, but a lot of the same frustrations that I felt in other similar games are still here. And one of those is just like these open worlds, two uh, D scrollers where it's not all on the same plane. This is a very specific gripe that I have and where you go in like into the back of the game and you're supposed to sort of like have your heading or just use a guide. I can't do that. I can't navigate games like this and that's it's a huge reason uh why I I am of two minds on this game. The other being that like we've described, like, the combat and enemies are kind of haphazard, in my opinion. Uh, I do think it's one of the, mo- the more clearly described, like, how do I get to- from point A to point B? In terms of, like, what you're supposed to do, maybe not how you're supposed to, to get there. Um, In terms of the NPCs and uh, the environment... But I'm gonna have to just like settle for a play it here and not recommend this be on the Essential Games list.
0: Uh it's it's totally like above average. Alright, that's what we love to hear. You might think I'm gonna go to Joe next, but I've thought about it and I've been going to Joe second for a really long time and I'd like to go second. So Joe, you're gonna finish us off today. You you you've earned it. Thank you. Thank you. I've earned second. Yeah. <laughs> I think The Battle of Olympus is a great adventure game filled with mostly like the vague idea of fetch quests. Uh, You know that's making it sound very boring, but it is really just like go get this thing and then go get that thing. There's no like we didn't
1: talk about olives,
0: right? Right, the olives that you need to um, go ahead and purchase. Like you know, get fifty of these and I'll give you a a very uh, an item you need. Uh, uh, you know that's not even my problem. And fetch quest is being mean here. I guess what I'm saying is like there wasn't the the triforce element right where it's like oh defeat these people to get this thing that will bring you to the boss it didn't it didn't quite have that it was mostly like get this thing then get that thing there's some moderate i guess puzzle solving on on, on, on at least like it, without a guide uh there's some of that going on that's all like that's all like good things in my opinion i actually feel like the combat is the thing that keeps the battle of olympus off the essential games list for me and not just because the enemies were uh, difficult. It's not about their difficulty, um, even though maybe that's what I made it sound like. I think it's just that that's a very monotonous thing that happens all the time. Uh, When you're not, like, actually exploring and trying to figure out what to do next on your grand quest, you're just dealing with these enemies over and over and over again. It just doesn't make for a very interesting game. So, um, it's it's not on my Essential Games list vote, and I'm not going to vote for it, uh, but... On a more interesting note, this game made me kind of want to revisit Zelda 2, because I have a feeling that the combat is much better in Zelda 2, and Zelda 2 was kind of doing the same thing adventure-wise that Battle of Olympus was doing, so maybe that could push it over the edge and finally onto the Essential Games list, but we would need everybody else to agree as well. Joe? Every for- single one <laughs> of you. Forget about, yeah, forget about Zelda 2, forget that I even mentioned it, because I know you're going to say Essential. We're talking about the Battle of Olympus. What is your vote for that game? So I'm a sucker for this kind of game.
2: I, I think that like this format um, just does a really good job of giving you that it feeling of going on an adventure. Uh, so I really, really like this game a lot. And if it seems like in the episode I had a lot to say that was negative about it, that's because... Throughout the episode, I have been trying to justify why I am also not going to have voted essential. And that's because most of what I've already said, but like the the major thing that I couldn't put my finger on about what I wasn't enjoying about this game as much as those other games is, if I'm pressed to come up with the answer, is that attacking element where I start to feel like I I got kind of bored of it because it wasn't giving me the like. Challenge isn't the right word, but like it wasn't giving my my like brain the challenge that I wanted. Where like I gotta like have a little bit of thought put into like when I attack and not just attack, attack, attack. I mean, granted, there are times where something swoops down at you, you gotta time it right, but it it just got tedious to me for that. That combined with like the the element that feels like a maze in which I need to really l- be looking back and forth between the guide and the game over and over again keeps it from the level of Faxanadu or Zelda 2, which I which I love so much. So I also sometimes have a tough time like remembering that I don't have to decide if something is either essential or horrible. I think this is a fantastic game and I think it's definitely a play it. It's just not quite up to the standard of those other games that I think are better.
0: I like that. That's a good point especially with people who have gripes about some things that are and are not on the Essential Games list, uh, there's a whole like play it section that just isn't interesting, right? Like We're not trying to make a play it list. You can decide what uh, you want to play and stuff like that. We do keep that on the website. Yeah, we'll to still go tell to- you. Yeah, Yeah, we have that if you're interested. Yeah, if you want to live your life being told what to do by three guys, like, (laughs) you know, I guess we could put in, like, other columns, too, for just other random information. could have a wheel that just spins every game we've covered so far, and whatever it lands on, that's what you have to play that day or that week or that whole year. Wow. Uh, We could do that. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to keep recording episodes of Nostalgia. Next week, we have the... uh, Spiritual successor to the Battle of Olympus: Championship Bowling. <laughs> thank you, thank you for the for the one laugh, Sean. I agree. Sensible chuckle. It's a very well. It's sensible like an olive. A bowling hit.
2: ball is like an olive. Yeah, of course. It's bowling. Got, it's got it was layers. probably
0: yeah. Homer from The Simpsons loves to bowl, <laughs> and Homer wrote the Odyssey. That's true. Wow. And
1: if you if you only root for teams in your city, you're a Homer.
0: There you go. Now, um, if you if championship bowling is like, yeah, I'll take it or leave it, it you know, I, I could use better games, why don't you check out our other um, uh, podcast, Nostalgia Bites, which is exclusive to our Patreon, patreon.com slash nostalgia to join. And we are doing the Portopia Serial Murder Case, which is a, a game that only was ever released in Japan, but got a fun English translation and is kind of like, one of the first text-based adventure games ever in Japan uh, that I think came out first on computers, but then eventually on Famicom. So it has, again, a nonlinear storytelling with detective elements, and you can in- interrogate people, and you can pick up evidence, and you can take notes and ask people questions and visit t- locations. Like uh, if you, you go c-
1: into a building with a toilet, can you flush the
0: toilet? You can use a payphone. All right. Well, we'll we'll see. I'll play it. Okay, yeah. yeah. I think you'll have to for yeah. the for the episode uh, cuz the the patrons, you know, that's what that's we're giving them what they pay for. That's true. They do pay for this. Yeah, we lock champ we lock a Portopia serial murder case cuz it's a good game. We lock that behind nostalgia bites, but if you want the free content, we'll keep making episodes like championship bowling. Yeah. That's how this whole <laughs> podcast works. We decide For, you know, arbitrarily what Nintendo releases in chronological order and then just uh, put that on the free feed. (laughs) ¶¶